Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Basement Bench here. Continuing through, completing, I guess not continuing through, completing our bench through of the Fast and Furious movies with the current movie in theaters, F9, The Fast Saga, whatever it's called. And once again, as part of my podcast family, I'm joined by the great Matt from Matt Goes to the Movies. Matt, go ahead and introduce yourself again. Hi, everybody. Um, Yeah, what a journey, so to speak. I can't believe that it's actually over. Not only did we get through all of these movies, Harrison, but the fact that Fast 9 is actually in theaters with you know, things going back to, if you want to say normal, at least in like movie theaters with things being in the theater and this being delayed for so long, it certainly looks like it was the right move in terms of box office. But part of me just can't believe that we're actually here and we've made it through nine movies. But I'm really excited to to get into this one. Oh, I, I'm stoked too. And being in a theater is amazing. I, the entire day, I went and saw the movie yesterday and the entire day I was like, oh, I'm going to the movie. Like, it wasn't even like, oh, I'm going to see Fast 9. It's like, I'm going to the movie theater. Like, it it was so great to be back. And it was kind of funny when I was pulling in. I don't know if they do this everywhere, but they do it here in Utah, this thing called uh, $5 Tuesday. So on Tuesday, tickets are $5, which is sweet. So Tuesdays are usually more busy than than other weekdays. Um, But anyway, I pulled into the theater. It's kind of a smaller theater. They only have like nine screens. And um, I was like, oh, there's so many people here. Like, I can't park close and I got to wait in line and I like got kind of annoyed because I've been used to going to the theater when it's not super busy and just, you know, parking near the front, not having to wait in super long lines, like kind of showing up at the last minute and, you know, being fine. And I like while I was driving around trying to find a place to park, I was like, wait a minute, why am I upset about this? This is a good thing. I want these people to be here uh, so that I can continue to come here because I'm not enough to keep the theater business uh, alive so i just thought that was interesting i just just had to mention that so theater experience aside and my weird annoyance with people and having to park far away let's get into the actual episode here with our two cents our spoiler free reaction to the film again this is completely spoiler free after this we'll try and get we'll get into the spoilers and we'll definitely try and keep this within two minutes rob i'm gonna let you go first for this two cents go ahead and start us off so fast nine is something that I really eagerly anticipated there. If you've seen trailers, you certainly know what you're going to get. You know which characters are going to show up on screen. And there was a lot of excitement for me. Now, this is a movie that still claims to be about family, but is starting to feel less like family from the motivations of the characters to who they are up against to how things are resolved. It has lost some of the charm for me that started back in uh, fate of the furious and has continued on to fast nine. Are there things that I enjoy about this movie? Yes. Am I still intrigued for fast and furious 10 parts one and two or however they're going to label the finale of this franchise in terms of this storyline i am but it's basically because i have come this far this is one of the longest running if not the longest running ips that is original to make it this far so you have to see it through to the end but am I overly and like eager to see it end? 
in a way, yes, but not for the way I should be. And it's really started with Fate of the Furious and has continued to spill over into Fast 9 for me. Yeah, I, I'm i just going to kind of jump right into mine and, and really agree with my two cents and agree with you here that if you didn't listen to the Fate of the Fury episode, you should listen to it because it was actually really fun. Matt and I kind of tore the movie apart because we were both, not that it's entirely horrible and there's nothing redeemable about it. There is, but it's it, it feels like a complete breakaway from everything that made the Fast and the Furious great. And this definitely continues in that same vein. Like, th- th- these aren't spoilers, especially if you've seen the way that the Fast and Furious franchise has changed to be not about cars, not about thieves being in it for themselves, but like these globetrotting super spies to the point where the film literally refers to things as like the most blank name ever for what they're doing. They call things the organization, the agency. They refer to themselves as spies, as what they're doing as the spy game. I mean, the latest MacGuffin is just named... Artemis, like it just feels, I, I don't know, that that this is the direction that Fast and Furious is going to the point where they changed the name and made a point of showing you in the movie that they were changing the name to F9, not Fast 9, not Furious 9, F9, because there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing Fast and Furious about this, like this is completely different, and is that entirely a bad thing? No. There are parts of this and a parts of what it is that is super fun and super engaging and really, really entertaining. And I loved being in a theater watching this with other people. And it was a pretty packed theater. People from the box office as well seemed to enjoy going to these movies and enjoying the absolute absurdity that they all are. But... It's getting further and further away from what I, in just the short weeks that I've been viewing these films, it's getting further and further away from what I really enjoyed about it. Matt already talked about them, right? The ideas of family, this family is falling more and more apart and the characters are becoming less and less personable. And it's just interesting that there are definitely parts of this that I really, really love, but the entire time I was just, I almost couldn't believe what I was watching. like. Uh, small spoiler, if you care. It's in the trailer, so this isn't a huge spoiler. They literally go to space. Like, a Fast and Furious movie. Do you know how many jokes have been made? Like, well, what are they going to do next? They're going to go to space? They they did. Like, they did the joke. Like, they became the meme. I, I don't know. It's, it's just crazy to me. Uh, but all of that aside, I'm totally going to go see Fast 10 or whatever it's going to be called, F10. Um, because I'm interested. I've I've put in the time. And it's interesting, too. Actually, no, I'll save that for the later segment. So, yeah, I'm just... <laughs> I've got so many thoughts. Um, yeah, it's just really, really interesting to, like, see the movie for what it is. And, yes, I did enjoy it, but I'm also still just, like, trying to understand what it is I actually think about it because it just... It really caught me by surprise. That was probably way longer than two minutes. So I'm going to wrap it up there. But, yeah, it, it I just... I, I almost just couldn't believe, like, oh, wow, like, this is this is the movie. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, crazy's a, a good word. <laughs> yeah, so if, if anyone else needs some things cleared up about how they like, how this movie is, I saw this hilarious review that I just 
I have to read uh, from Jay Wood, whoever that is. Uh, Jay, if you're listening, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. But anyway, Jay wrote a hilarious review that I'm just going to read here. Not as good as five, but way better and crazier than four. It has moments that made me feel like I was watching eight, which is better than two, but not as good as three, which play, pales next to seven. And it tries to throw back to one, but I see think six did that better. And at least that matters, unlike Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> like that really cleared it up, but I just thought that was funny. So he put the whole uh, cookie pot in there. Yeah, he, he really got them all and it just kept going. Uh, so I just had to read that because I thought it was so funny. So there you go. That, there's our concrete thoughts about F9. Um, spoiler free. We want to get into the spoilers now. Before we do that, we got a rummage for the rotten, which is the segment here where I have a guest on the show where we're going to guess who we think is going to like this film the least. They are the rotten. At the end of the episode, we'll rate it, and then we'll reveal who the rotten is. I'm going to guess first, and I've got nothing to go off of. We've been saying this for the last few episodes that we're going to be pretty similar. And again, I think it is going to be, uh, but I think that there's going to be a, a clear factor towards the rotten, you know, not like, you know, by an inch or a hair difference. I think that one person is going to be substantially more rotten than the other, but who that is, I have no idea. So if I just pick one in my head, I'm going to guess that it's going to be you. But I don't know. That, like, that's just like because I flipped a coin in my head and I picked you. So, Yeah, um, I, I think it's going to be me as well. 100%. I have no issue saying that it will be me. Okay, well, I definitely want to get into why you feel that way. Before we do that, I do want to give yourself a chance because you've stuck it out with me for all nine films, which is amazing. I want to give you a chance to shout out Matt Goes to the Movies. You're a great show. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, this has been a lot of fun being here for nine films, some really bad, some really good, and some just in between. They're there, but it's always been a blast. So I appreciate the time to come on here. And like Harrison said, I run Matt Goes to the Movies. It's a movie podcast that was inspired by The Basement Binge uh, roughly over a year ago now. And I was sitting at home during the pandemic with nothing to do. Uh, job was closed down and thought, hmm, maybe I should start a podcast. And I listened to The Basement Binge and just got totally inspired. And the rest is history. But some exciting things from Matt Goes to the Movies. I'm really excited. I have a Tom Cruise marathon that I am working on right now. I have um, Minority Report and The Last Samurai that will be uploaded actually as of the night of this recording that we're talking about. So we're here on a Wednesday night talking about Fast 9. I have The Last Samurai coming up, Oblivion. I actually said The Last Samurai, I apologize, but I have Oblivion, Minority Report, The Last Samurai, Top Gun Maverick, and before that, the original Top Gun. So really excited to do that. Harrison and I, unfortunately, he won't be with us for the next Loki episode, but Harrison will be back for episodes five and six in Loki as we've been working on the Disney Plus shows from the MCU since the beginning. So a lot of really fun stuff coming up and some movies that I've been really looking forward to talking about. Yeah, uh, I'm stoked for those episodes. And once again, Matt, I can't say thank you enough for being here. It has made these 
episodes way more interesting and really, really fun. I've looked forward to these episodes every time. So because I'm so interested to hear why you were so confident for yourself as a rotten, I'm going to let you go first for the next segment, which is pick your poison. This is a basement binge ranking rating scale. Additionally, Matt, after we talk about our poison, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about our ratings, and we'll give our final ratings of all nine films and review them compared to the ones before. But before any of that, I want you to pick your poison. And for those of you, the listeners who don't know, pick your poison is rating here at the Basement Binge, where instead of giving it five out of five or 10 out of 10 in percentage, it's how you would interact with the film after this watch of it, to simply never watch it again, to stream it, meaning that it's on a service you're already subscribed for, you're just looking for something to watch, so you click on it to fill the time. Above that is rent it in the right circumstances, pay a few dollars, top of the list to buy it, watch it as much as you'd like. So Matt, take it away, pick your poison. Yeah, um, with this one, it, it's difficult because I would not say that I would never watch it again. This honestly, for me, would have to be somebody in my friends group was watching this. I would not turn this on. Like I would not turn this on to watch it again by myself. There would literally have to be a group of people that said, Hey, we're going to go through a marathon. If I eventually own this series, which I will, this would probably be one of the ones that I actually skip and not rewatch. So that might be an indication for the final segment of definitely why I would be the rotten. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, to pick my poison before we get into the final rankings of the franchise, I would only watch this movie again if I was going with a group of friends specifically in theaters. I probably will never watch this movie again outside of that. Do I regret, though? Let me just say this. Do I regret going in theaters? No, I had a blast. I loved being in the theater with people. It it took away my cynicism, I guess, towards it. It, it made me uh, made it easier to just kick back and enjoy the fun and to have fun with stupid fun because that's what these films are intended to be. And yeah, I've got serious problems with that, and we're going to get into it. It sounds like Matt does too. But I really went in with a strong critique and the second that somebody else in the theater had an audible reaction to the film, I was like, you know what? I'm watching a movie. I'm just going to enjoy it with a group of people who also paid here to watch this movie. And it, it it's an experience and an environment that I love. And I feel like this film is great to see in a theater. I feel like I've felt that since the beginning that these fast films, especially the later ones, are great to see in a theater. It seems like they're really designed around that experience. So I would go do that again just because I love that type of experience but it's more for the experience than it is for the film. Um, but it's not bad enough that I'd be like, no, never. So yeah, I, I'm not too keen on this either. <laughs> but let's get into the rankings here. To quickly th- review them, what we did, I think was on either Tokyo Drift or the second episode. It was on Too Fast, Too Furious, because we forgot at the beginning. We ranked the entire franchise. My ranking was just a total guess because I hadn't seen any of these films. So I was just guessing based off what I had heard and what I had thought about them. Matt obviously had seen them all, so he's able to give a ranking. Obviously, we didn't include F9. So I'm just going to review those rankings super quick, and then we can talk about them. So for myself, again, this is guessing. Starting at the bottom of the list to the top, I had Too Fast, Too Furious, Fast and Furious, 4, then 
Fast and Furious, the, or excuse me, the Fast and the Furious, the original one, the very first one, then the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, kind of in the middle of the pack, then Fast and Furious 6, then the Fate of the Furious in my top three. Oh gosh. And then Fast 5, and then in the top of the list, Furious 7. That's what I had. I know that is going to change a lot. For Matt to go through his really quickly, he also had at the bottom Too Fast, Too Furious, then The Fate of the Furious, rightfully so, then Fast and Furious 4, The Fast and the Furious, the original, then Fast and Furious 6, Tokyo Drift to start his top three, and then Fast 5, and also Furious 7 at the top. So, Matt, as you picked your poison first, I'll kind of let you, you know, rumble through your your re-ranking here, so to speak. Yeah, um... You know, going back and actually thinking about these movies, there's some pretty like I went and looked after Fast 9 and thought about where I was going to put Fast 9 in these rankings and really looking at Letterbox, which Harrison, uh, you have one of those two where, you know, you can list every single film that you've ever seen, give it rankings, reviews, everything like that. I love the site. I ranked the Fast and the Furious saga. So mine are going to change here from what I originally thought after really like combing my thoughts together. And some of my scores have changed just based on how I feel. So, okay. Going, yeah. Give me those as well. Sorry. To yeah. No. So going from, well, I'm sorry. How are we going from the bot? Um, starting from least favorite to favorite or favorite to least. Sure. Why not? Least favorite to favorite. All right. So going back through everything, I actually now have the fate of the furious as my least favorite movie in the series. Um, I still give that two reels, but that has gone to number eight. I have rethought about too fast, too furious. And that is now, well, sorry. I, in my letterbox ranking, I have Hobbs and Shaw in there. So skipping that. (laughs) So in last fate of the furious right after that is too fast, too furious with, two and a half reels after that is fast nine which i also have at two and a half reels then i have the original fast and the furious and this is where it gets a little tricky because i like these for all individual reasons but can't really differentiate too much of a score so the fast and furious that would be four stars then going to fast and furious that would be also four stars, but there's totally different reasons why I would give it that. Fast and Furious 6 would then be after that, which would be number four on my list. Then I have Tokyo Drift at number three, Fast 5 at number two, and Furious 7 at number one. I think we, to anybody who listened, I think we went over in great detail why that would be overall my favorite movie in the series. But a lot of my thoughts on these changed as I really started to collect my thoughts after Fast 9 and how I felt about this series. Yeah, it's interesting how I really did the same thing even before I really thought about the podcast and ranking is just by naturally finishing that, kind of being finished with the saga here, I was like, you know, how do all these stack up? You know, now that I've understood what these movies are like, now that I have things to compare them to, do I want to change the reels that I gave it? Do I do I think that this one's better or worse? And it, it was really interesting to do. So I'm just finishing putting yours in order here, making sure that I got them all the right way. Give me a second. All righty. So I think I got this all here. Let's make sure that I got this right. 
I'm going to read through it just to make sure I have it. So starting at the bottom for you, you got The Fate of the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, F9, The Fast and the Furious, the original, Fast and Furious, the fourth film, Fast and Furious 6, Tokyo Drift, Fast 5, Furious 7. Is that on? Is that right? That is on point. Okay. All righty. Well, I'm going to go here through mine again because I think that we're actually very, very similar. I haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw, so that's not included in mine at all. But my ranking, again, starting at the bottom from the top, is very, very similar to Matt, actually. The Fate of the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, F9, <laughs> so we're, so far we're on, on track, The Fast and the Furious, the original, Fast and Furious, the fourth one, <laughs> Fast and Furious 6, and then my ranking is, this is where mine changes. Furious 7 at number 3, Tokyo, or excuse me, Fast 5 at number 2, and Tokyo Drift at number 1. Now, just kind of to explain my rankings, I think Furious, or Fast and Furious 6 and everything below, I think I'm just, I have made pretty clear. I mainly want to talk about the top three. I think that Fast 5, in my opinion, is the best film in this franchise, but my personal enjoyment of Tokyo Drift is much higher than any of the others. So although I have Tokyo Drift at four reels and Fast Five at four and a half, just as like a personal enjoyment, I put Tokyo Drift at the top. Furious 7, I just put right below Fast Five because I wasn't, uh, looking back on it now, there are parts of the movie that I really don't like, but a lot of that is overshadowed by how great the ending is. And so I still give it four and a half reels and I stand by that because of the ending, but I'm going to rank it a little bit lower because... The film that it's attached to, I'm not. I don't love, but I also don't have huge problems with it. So that that's my ranking. It's kind of interesting how similar we were until our top three. Yeah, you know, I think, too, the only one, I think at any given time with, for me, Furious 7 will be number one now until maybe, you know, two and a half, three years from now, Fast and Furious, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe that would change. But for right now, with the, with the saga as it is, nothing will top Furious 7 for me. I could see Fast 5 and Tokyo Drift switching going back. I think 4 through, you know, 4 through 8, I just can't see that changing for me at all. I could maybe see two and three actually swapping out. But like how you said, you know, the the ending and everything at Furious 7, I just will never. Well, I shouldn't say ever, but never. But right now, I just I can't overlook how perfect that is and how it just seems like the natural stopping point for me. And that's always right now going to be number one. Fast Five and Tokyo Drift, I feel like maybe could alternate. Yeah, and that's fair. I, I totally agree. I think that, just as a side note, the ending of Fury 7 should be in like the Mount Rushmore of movies because it's just phenomenal what it does. I think it's really amazing. And also just as like a kind of ending point to ranking this, I am absolutely shocked by how much I like Tokyo Drift. And one of the reasons that I like Tokyo Drift so much is because Sean comes back in F9 and every single time he was on screen, I was like, I love this guy. <laughs> and and it like reminded me how much I love Tokyo Drift. Same with Han, him too. Um, but he's been here for a while. So mainly Sean, when he was back on the screen, 
and and someone called Twink Twinkie, I was like, yeah, I love Tokyo Drift. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Because I was kind of like hesitant to be like, I really love Tokyo Drift and put it at the top of my list because Fast Five and Fury 7 are so great. But I don't, I think Sean is, is like, I, and I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or in the review I wrote, I call him Discount Paul Walker, especially when Tokyo Drift came out. And he definitely feels that way. There's tons of problems with the character. I, and he's, he's totally follows a typical course, but there's an endearment that I have to Sean that I can't explain. And it, that, in addition to all the other things I like about Tokyo Drift, is what edges it to the top. And it's watching F9 and seeing Sean here that did that for me, which is really interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I, you know, he kind of grew on me um, watching the movie again and then really thinking about how I felt about these movies and processing even after the podcast, I started to think, boy, I, you know, I still have Tokyo Drift ranked high. It's third. But I really just started to develop more of a feeling about how much I actually like that movie and how it's just it's funny how movies like that happen over time. And when they first come out, it was just because I couldn't stand the movie when it first came out. I was like, what are they doing? I can't believe this. Like, there's there's no way this franchise gets off the, you know, gets off the ground, so to speak, anymore. Like, it's done. Um, Little did I know that all these years and movies and millions of billions, I should say, not millions, billions of dollars later, this would still be going. But I definitely have an appreciation for it that I didn't have originally and then didn't have even before we recorded the episode after watching it again, just slowly but surely thinking about these. It's creeping up there even more in my like category. Yeah. And I want to go back and kind of fix some of the poison that I picked for these movies. I really think that um, Tokyo Drift and Fast Five are like the only two movies that I genuinely want to own outside of like owning the collection type mentality that I have because those are movies that I would genuinely watch again. Furious 7, I'm still indecisive between. I think a good rewatch would help me decide there. Um, But yeah, I'm surprised by how much i actually enjoy any of these movies i was expecting actually i'm getting ahead of myself i I continue i gotta save that later for a different segment um i I just wanted to kind of talk about one last thing while we're here and pick your poison because i don't mean i don't i i found it interesting Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll save that for later. Okay, let's move on to the next segment. Obviously, I'm eager to get going here. So any other thoughts about Pick Your Poison or rankings before we move on? No, I think uh, I'm, I'm eager to get into some details about this movie and what my overall problems are and why I think this franchise is losing its steam, so to speak, at least in my eyes. Okay, well, let's get into it here. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live up with the next segment here. This is where we talk about our expectations going into the film and what they were, maybe why they were that way, and if the film was able to deliver on those expectations, if it lived up to them. Now, normally with these films, because they were older and Matt had seen them, he was then able to kind of talk about the legacy of the film and how it fits in there. But Matt had his own expectations on his own first experience with this film that he can now comment on more recently. So I'm going to let him go first for the very first time and live up. Yeah, so my expectations for this film is I was hoping that with now we're in spoiler territory, the return of Han would bring some more of the family element and the return of Jordana Brewster as Mia would bring more of the family element back to the fast franchise. Sadly for me, neither, neither of those things worked as a whole. There was small moments, but the way that Han just casually returns the explanation, it just, it didn't, and this is one of the more popular characters in the franchise, and I've talked to some friends about this, it didn't feel, like seeing him in the trailer, it felt great that he was going to be back. In the movie, it did not feel great to have him back, and that was really disappointing, and I feel like it's because of the way it was handled. Also having Mia, you know, I think it's a perfectly good explanation why she's in this movie because she, you know, knows about their brother and you find out that she kept in touch with him a little bit. So why she would be back and why Brian wouldn't be in this, you know, universe because his character is, is still alive. Those things did not hit for me. The other thing too I got to tell you, for me, you want to kill a movie right off the bat. Boy, did for this movie took me out in about. I don't know how long is it supposed to take to run a quarter mile, because that's how (laughs) quick I almost gave up on this movie with what I thought was the horrendous opening scene of the Toretto family and their father racing. Who thought it was a good idea to have an, I don't know if it was an audio dub or the guy just trying to mimic Vin Diesel's voice, why they decided to go in that direction and have this guy who, to me, never in a million years would I think that this kid would grow up and look like Dom. Honestly, that that started me off completely on the wrong path as soon as this movie opened. And it was very hard to get back on track for me. Um, I'll leave it at that for right now. Okay, man, you and I are very, very similar here. So when I've tried to have so many, my brain's going a million miles an hour. The entire reason that we are sitting here for the ninth time talking about a Fast and Furious movie is because of this movie's trailers. I watched them, and I thought, this is ridiculous. I need to know why. I need to get involved in this franchise, and I need to watch it, and I need to do it for the podcast with Matt and Rob. And so we did that, and we're here. 
And I've been looking forward to this to see if what got me into this was worth it. You know, th- this this was what the journey was all about, so to speak. Now, there was lots of things along the journey that I found out I really enjoyed that I wasn't expecting, but, but we're here. And so there's a, kind of a lot of expectations that I had going in, but they were continually adjusting as we were making our way through these episodes, particularly with the later entries, you know, six, seven, and definitely eight, how it totally changed what these movies are and what they're about and how they function. And it made me excited to go see Fast 9 because I had worked this way up to it. Additionally, I was going to a theater. But outside of that, I didn't have too many excitements because I thought that it was just going to be more like Fate of the Furious. Someone was saying somewhere on Letterboxd that that um, Mike Apps is his name. He's great. But anyway, he was saying that, that Fate of the Furious was kind of the breaking point for fans to decide to continue with the series or not. And I think that that's really true because Fate of the Furious is like the complete changeover of the franchise to something else. I mean, six and seven were pretty close, but Fate of the Furious is like, we it's completely something different now. We're not even keeping Fast and Furious in the name. And, and, and F9 continues in that. So those were kind of expectations. I was expecting that, you know, the characters from uh, Fate of the Furious were coming back, particularly the villain. But then I was also kind of bothered, as much as I was excited by the trailers, if you're going to bring a character like Han back, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of stupid to reveal in the trailers because of what you said. Seeing that in the trailer got me excited. Seeing that in the movie annoyed me because the way it was explained, the way he came back was just the most annoying thing ever. And I felt like it would have been more exciting to see him back if it would have been a surprise instead of like anticipating it happening. Additionally, the problems that I had with Fate of the Furious that we talked about a ton where the entire weight of the story is now on the shoulders of Vin Diesel. And it seems like nobody knows how to write a story that involves anyone outside of this team besides their interactions with Vin Diesel. And it doesn't feel like a team anymore. It feels like Vin or a family. It feels like Vin Diesel and people reacting around it. And that same problem is here, but even worse. And we get flashbacks and we get actors that look nothing like anybody, you know, as an example, young Vin Diesel is taller than young, or I'll say it this way, young, young Dom Toretto is taller than young Jacob Toretto, but older Jacob Toretto is taller than older Dom Toretto. There you go. Like, that's the, I don't know. Additionally, with the opening, what you talked about, it really took me out of it immediately when that old Universal logo showed up. I got no problem with it. I was listening to a podcast with Justin Lin. I don't want to insult him because he was excited about that. The people on the podcast he was with were excited about that. They were saying that they they saw that and it got them excited. And Justin Lin was excited about it because he was trying to match the logo to the time period and the kind of the tone that the time period of the flashback was and how they filmed it on film and the grain match and all that. Like that's all great. But the second you put an old movie logo up instead of the new one you start once you start meshing with the logos it gets a little bit pretentious and you don't want to be pretentious especially in a fast and furious movie and it just lost me right from the beginning like we didn't the movie didn't even start we were still in the logos and i was like oh really like come on uh and then there were parts about the opening that i liked i thought having justin lynn back and his kinetic direction and energy in the action is so engaging. I love watching him direct action with cars. But 
I don't really want to watch this action because I don't really care about young young Dom Toretto. I'm sorry. I I, I don't. And it just it it fell apart from the beginning for me. Yeah, can I say that for a very brief second, a very brief second, I almost thought they were about to play the wrong movie when the logo hit. Like <laughs> I, I really did. I kind of I looked and in my head I went I wonder what's going to happen here. Um <laughs> because and I had a quick flashback to years. I can't remember when the movie came out, but when Triple X um the Return of Sander Cage came out, I went and saw that in the theater. And then like two days later with my girlfriend at the time, we went to go see something else and that they started playing that movie in the theater that we were in, even though it was supposed to be whatever it was. I can't remember what movie we were going to see. And I had some like weird flashback that we, I was like getting an old Vin Diesel movie. Like I was like broiler room is going to be playing on the theater <laughs> for some reason. Um, so that was kind of funny to me. Like after I was like, wow, why did you think that at all? But yeah, just that popped up on the screen and I went like in my head, what are we doing? Why would you, st- why would you start the movie like this? And, th- and then it continues with the flashbacks and some of the inner cutting of this is where they were at and this is where they're ending. And I, j- it was so bad because I, Maybe Jacob, I could believe the kid that they had. I, for one second, could not stand looking at this guy that they had playing look, a young Dominic Toretto. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. I agree with you. The actor who plays young Jacob, I think, was pretty close. But when young Dom shows up, like he pops his head in the car to talk to his dad, I was like, wait, is that is that Dom or is that Jacob? Like, who am I looking at here? Is that somebody else? Like... I didn't know who it was. I was like, it, it, they had the dumb cross necklace, which apparently every Toretto everywhere has. So you know it's a Toretto. But I was like, well, which one is this? Because I don't know. You also know, though, too, like you take one look at that person and you know that's not his voice. Like, oh, yeah. It's, I, oh, oh, my, I just can't get over how much I do not like that. Um, I also like too how you you stated really quickly about the characters and their super spies. Everybody in this universe now has literally taken the super soldier serum from the MCU. Oh my like, gosh. <laughs> every single person that was, oh, well, I'm a convict that was, you know, busted for rims. It, you know, if I'm Tyrese's character from Too Fast, Too Furious, you know. He, he was in jail for having illegal rims and boosting them or whatever it was he's doing. They were stealing DVD players in the Fast and Furious, and now it's, I'm a world-grade hacker. I'm a trained hand-to-hand combat oh professional. Like, everybody is Steve Rogers' super soldier in this universe now. And when there's no risk, there's no, it's hard to have emotion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, for example, once we get out of the the opening flashback and we get that scene where they're going to Mr. Nobody's plane. Oh, actually, let me talk about the well, no. I'm jumping around too much. And and they're driving over the landmines and then they get to the bridge and the jeep 
is driving over the bridge and it like, first off, that's impossible. Second, it's driving over the bridge and it cuts to like the other side of the bridge and you don't see the Jeep. And then it like climbs over and, and everybody cheers and like, oh yeah, they're safe. Like people in the theater had a reaction and it was funny. And I laughed too because of the people I was with. If I was by myself, I would have been like, well, that was stupid. So being with people really changed my opinion. But in the moment, I was like, what? Why? Like, we know they're going to get over it. They're not going to die. This is a Fast and Furious movie. They literally talk about how they can't die in this movie. Yet you, like, tease us that, oh, maybe they died. Like, pick a, pick a side. Which one are you going with? Are they, are they invincible or are they potentially dead? Because you can't have both. And it, it, they're driving over landmines. Of course they're able to drive fast enough to get over the landmines. I mean, that's just an excuse to have explosions and just more chaos. And and Tyrese's character continually addressing how they are invincible just annoyed me because I was like, yeah, you are, and it's stupid. Like, like it was the most pull-me-out-of-the-movie thing ever, which, I mean, take what you will about it. If you liked it, that's fine. It was funny. I laughed in the theater when they were talking about that first interaction that he had with Ramsey and Tej was hilarious. But then it just kept coming up and i was like yeah it's really dumb like how have they not died why is everybody so good at fighting hand-to-hand combat why why is is dom toretto rushing into a firefight with a shotgun like uh, a pump action shotgun i mean like you're suddenly like a trained soldier you know they're it's like cover me like like they're soldiers like when you were stealing dvds and eating tuna sandwiches i don't know it's it is too far gone for me from what it was. And to jump back to the to the the flashback at the beginning, you, you've spent all this money on all these trailers, getting people excited. You got this crazy poster with all these colorful smoke and different sized people, yada, yada, yada. You spent all this money on the marketing and the promoting and getting people excited about what is in the movie. And then once the movie actually starts, you start it with a flashback. <clears throat> that doesn't work for me. So it's it just that it, didn't get out of the, the gate very well, and then it just turned around and went the other direction after that. Yeah, I, I think they could have had the tension um, explained in a different way between Dom and Jacob as to why there was a falling out without having to have the flashbacks and explain it. I... You know, who knows? Maybe it was because when Dom loses his cool because of the racetrack and he goes away, like Jacob doesn't have anybody to fend for him because it doesn't look like in this universe. You know, I don't think we ever I can't remember if we ever know what happened to their mother. Um, Yeah. But, you know, maybe it's, you know, Dom goes to prison and their dad's dead and Jacob. I don't know, has nobody to take care of him and he leads a rough life and he gets in with bad people. Um, and he blames Dom for that because Dom couldn't keep his cool and he abandoned him or something. Um, you could have done a million other things. And another problem that I have is to have Dom and Jacob as brothers. I, I don't care that Dom has a brother. I yeah. care that Paul Walker, Brian O'Connor's character, was Dom's brother. Yeah. I, it, it just doesn't feel like that is a relationship. You could have just had, you know, 
again, like saying I could understand like why, but you could have just had John Cena's character, Jacob, a, a super spy and just been like, this is a guy we're going to go up against. But in the effort to make these movies seem all about family, I I don't care that you guys are brothers because it's not believable. And I mentioned it in the Furious that the absence of Brian, obviously because of the real life tragedy, hurts these movies more than I realized. And now I can talk about it in this that. Again, Brian's character brought a lot of these people together. You know, he's the one that was with Mia you know, fell in love with Mia. They got married. They have a kid. He introduced Tyrese's character, Roman, in this. He introduced Tej. You know, he's the majority of the reason why these people are together. He's the reason everything happened with Letty. He is the nucleus, really, of this group when you think about it. And he's his absence is just felt in Fate of the Furious. Like I said, there's the line from Roman, like Brian would know what to do. Well, we promised we wouldn't get him involved. And like, so you admitted that your cast of characters that are supposed to still be family with Dom don't know what to do. And there's only one guy that would know how to talk to Dom and find out what's going on. So you're openly admitting that there is a hole and whether I realize that hole is a necessity but it's such a glaring issue and it is even more of a glaring issue in this movie to me that that character is just sorely missed. Oh yeah. We we've talked about it a lot in fate of the furious, how they try and fill that hole by putting all the weight on Dom and this whole family idea, whether it's his son or his brother. And it just, it doesn't make sense. Suddenly he's got a brother that's showing up. Not only does he have a brother who he abandoned, but he is now a super spy who also worked for the same Mr. Nobody that they work for. Not only that, he's also working for the super rich guy who happened to capture Cypher, the bad lady from the previous movie, and now they're all working together. Oh, and Han is coming back because Mr. Nobody just retconned his death and said that he's alive, and he just so happened to be involved with Mr. Nobody, nobody protecting the very thing that now this fast team has to protect that Cypher and her rich dude and Jacob are after. Like, all of that works in one thing, and it's all about Dom and his relationship to his brother Jacob and how he let him go because he killed his dad, or maybe he didn't. Who knows? But his car blew up. Like, what? <laughs> it, it, it just falls apart. The, the themes of family were touching. Furious 7 ripped all of our hearts out because it felt like a brotherhood. Dom and Jacob do not feel like a brotherhood at, at, at all. Not even like a hateful, vengeful brotherhood. There, there's nothing about a connection between the two of them that I felt in any way. And maybe that's intentional, but it, it's not, not a good intention to have because it's not working. And it, it's, it's frustrating that it is this way because this is what got me excited about this whole thing. Yeah, I love too how you pointed out that out of, out of nowhere, everybody has worked for Mr. Nobody. Jacob yeah. worked for him. Giselle worked for him somehow when she oh, was yeah. supposed to be part of this drug cartel in Fast and Furious. But nope, she was secretly put there by Mr. Nobody. And, you know, so that would mean that she purposely went into Dom's crew and just in an effort 
to make everything seem connected. It just, it showed me how loose the string actually is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So any other thoughts about expectations and how this film delivers on them at at all? I, I have a thought here. I mentioned this in my two cents. They literally go to space. Do you know how many jokes I've seen about how, well, what's the Fast and Furious movie going to go next? Go to space? They went, they, they, not only did they go to space, they launched a Pontiac Fiero into space with two dudes, not just two dudes, Tej and Roman in scuba suits into space. All right, what, what made you think that that was at all a good, interesting idea? I mean, maybe they hurt, maybe people at Universal are like, oh, hey, people are talking about Fast and Furious going to space. That's a good idea. <laughs> no, it's a meme. You don't want to become the meme. I, I'm literally, I, I'm still like, again, it was, it was funny when it was, oh, they'll go to space and blah, blah, blah. It, <laughs> listening to you talk about the fact that they actually did this, I am like a meme. I was sitting there listening, not because I don't want to hear you say it, but because I am in so I am in so much shock still that I just had my hand on my forehead, just like <laughs> staring off into the distance while you're describing the scene, just going, yeah, like what? Th- this is really, really happening. It happened because I don't know. What do you do with Fast 10? Do you maybe try to bring this back? And for some reason, there is somebody from the past that is going to bring this into a more grounded, more reality based. Like, this is how the story ends. Because what do you do now? You are in like you are in space. I I mean, they're going to have to become vampires or something. I don't know. (laughs) You don't think that people on the International Space Station would be like, well, how did you get the clearance and the power? Like, not not like authority, but like like physical power to get here. <laughs> Which, uh, addition- <laughs> additionally, I love that while they're going into space, Tej, who not only suddenly became a computer genius and a hacker, is also a genius at physics now as well, is saying like, the numbers don't lie. As long as we obey the laws of physics, we'll be fine. And I was like, nothing about these movies have ever obeyed the laws of physics. Yeah, like I, you can't you can't be that on the you can't make fun of the fact that you're not and then try and be on the nose about it. It's yeah. just this movie wants to have its cake and eat it too. And you ju- you cannot do that anymore. You can't talk about reality in a movie like this anymore. Oh yeah. Uh, additionally, as much as I love Sean being back, and I will, I, I don't want to complain about him at all because him coming back was awesome. Why is he involved in rockets? How did he get involved in rockets? And suddenly they just found Sean and Twink with rockets. Like okay, that was convenient. Uh, but I will say that scene when they tested. The the Fiero was so funny and so engaging. I totally forgot that they were sending a car into space, and I was just so excited that Sean was there. And and he is so funny. I I mean, the actor isn't fantastic, but if I'm being honest, 
there is something that he delivers for me that is just just lovable and and I I I don't know why because Lucas Black looks old <laughs> but he he has a stupid smile that I just makes me happy and it, it's funny um I, I'm I'm curious though as we're sitting here you know ripping this to shreds and complaining about it left and right I'm curious about the general public and maybe we should kind of save this more for the last segment franchise inquiry but a lot of people have gone to go see this movie and I'm really curious what is the general audience reaction I'm sure there's people like you and me who are like this is ridiculous and I'm also sure that there's people like this is the best one yet and and I'm just how I, I mean this is probably an unanswerable question but how that divide happens I don't know so yeah, I guess we'll move on to the... That was enough of that. Let's move on to the next segment here, binge points. So these are Easter eggs, details, trivia, behind-the-scenes stuff, other things that we want to mention um, as we just kind of talk about it here. This is one that is totally not important. Well I, well, I have two. The first one, there's a ton of practical effects and stunts that were done for this film, and I only know that because I listened to the podcast with Justin Lin. One of those things that was done practically is when the the car is like magnetized and flies through the building sideways and lands in the car, like in the truck. That was all done practically. I had no idea. I had to look it up online because I didn't believe him when he said that. I mean, part of that beast tank thing and with cars being launched at it and it flipping cars left and right, that was all done practically. I had no idea. And maybe it's because visual effects have gotten so good but there's also this weird, like, overlay of plasticky lookingness that they put over everything that makes everything look like visual effects. And I mean, there's definitely moments that you can tell, you know, like Vin Diesel jumping out of the thing right as it rolls off the cliff and blows up. Vin Diesel clearly is a digi double there. But, but I, I cannot understand what would motivate you to do all this work for practical effects to then just make it look plasticky CGI anyway. I mean, what did you think? Did it look practical to you? Am I just crazy? No, there's uh, the thing is some of the car stuff looks so practical, which then for me, and this is more of like a just a binge point in general about the movie. That when you see the CGI, such as character shots, like when Vin Diesel is running across the roof, you would think that they could maybe do something like that somewhat practical to me. That looked fake as, uh, like, I'm not going to say the word because family, <laughs> family, like family show, but it just didn't look real when the guy gets hit by the car. Oh yeah, he like he doesn't look real at all. So there's just these glaring moments where it seems, well, why is that where we went? you know like why is that where we went with digital effects and things like that because again it just it takes me out of what's going on because it's so in your face on the screen oh yeah it's interesting too because um i i will say as much as this movie drops everything that is fast and furious and just calls itself f9 i actually did like a lot of the driving in this film and i feel like Compared to Fate of the Furious, there was a lot more driving involved, and I liked that. But yeah, it, maybe it's just because the stuff they're doing is so crazy that I'm like, there's no way that's real. So it's impressive that so much of it is. Um, 
But yeah, another bench point that I had that I just wanted to mention here, and then I'll let you get into yours, Matt, is I don't know if you know about the Red phone. It's an Android phone that's made by the camera company Red that makes like 4K, 8K cinema cameras Red. They made a phone way back in like 2019, I think it was. It was such a horrible phone that they stopped producing it entirely. And watching the movie, before I looked up anything, like in the theater, I kept noticing the phone anywhere. As soon as I saw Ramsey hold it for the first time, I was like, that's a red phone. Like, what the heck? Was that product placement? Or was that they just picked it because it kind of has the rugged, intense style that matches everything else? And genuinely, it does. It, it really kind of fits the, the hardware of everything that they use. And so the rest of the movie, I kept trying to decide, and it pops up everywhere. Like, is that product placement or is that just, they just picked it because it actually looks kind of cool. It is a cool looking phone. And then I realized later, um, Red actually paid tons of money to be like the phone in this movie. It was product placement. They paid a bunch of money and and that was paid for and made before the phone did so poorly that they stopped producing it altogether. (laughs) Which I, I... I I just thought it was so funny, and immediately I recognized the phone, and I was like, but but I will say it's kind of funny how in the long run it did kind of work out where it just kind of matched the entire production design. But whatever, red red phones. That is very. I'm actually like super interested in that. <laughs> That's yeah, just funny. Got some. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I definitely will. You know, one thing that I noticed too in this movie and it's it's a nod back to the original is obviously I think anybody who's seen the movies would know that Dom says to Jacob you know someone someone once gave me a 10 second car um, and I owe the same thing to you little brother however the exact line is it's obviously a reference to you know Brian giving um, Dom the car which I thought was you know, it was nice to have that callback, but again, it doesn't, it just doesn't have the weight to me that it should, um, which is disappointing. It's a nice callback, but it's also disappointing in the same right. Yeah, I agree. Same thing with the ending, which I'll have a save until later in the episode, but it, uh, it, it didn't have the weight. Uh, another bench point I just want to throw in here. I loved that probably for like one of the few times in a movie, someone wasn't totally taken out by a billboard and the hero, so to speak, being smart enough to lay down on the moving vehicle and not be taken out by the billboard. Like when the guy just like broke through it, I was like, finally. <laughs> uh, anyway, a random binge point. Do you have any others? Um, I mean, this does, you mentioned at the beginning, but I feel like it is something to mention. You know, this movie is the highest grossing weekend since what was star wars rise of skywalker um all the way back before the pandemic started um you know it rise of skywalker debuted with 72.4 million and fast nine did debut with 70 million dollars and that's still with where you know where i am harrison i don't know how it is you know in utah we're still not allowed to be at full capacity in the movie theaters so to to make 70 million dollars and be the biggest opening since 2019 with the pandemic and still only be able to you know in a lot of places be at 50 percent or not max capacity depending on where you are 
you still, ha- I, I do have to like tip my hat to the fact that it, it's popular. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. I, I was looking at those numbers and I was like, because it's, I mean, box office numbers just, I mean, numbers are numbers. And I was looking at, I was like, oh yeah, 70 million, whatever. And then I was like, wait, that's actually quite significant. And then I heard the the article, you know, not the articles, the things that you just said, how it was such a big opening, which is crazy. I, I just can't believe that. Um, One last bench point that I have here that I, I just thought was really cool. Again, listening to, uh, to a podcast where Justin Lin was on, the director, he talked about how he felt we talked about how the 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 resurrection, so to speak, of Han isn't great, but having Han back is nice. I do like having him back, and I love that he's not like a total action hero. He got he got pummeled so many times, and I like that. But anyway, uh, Justin Lin was saying how he felt really lucky that he got to be the one to bring Han back, not only because Han left in Fast Six the same time that Justin Lin did, but Han is also an Asian American the same way that Justin Lin does. So being the one to bring him back felt really personal to him. And I was like, you know what? And in a total fourth wall breaking thing, that's pretty cool. And I like that, uh, that he kind of felt a connection to it in that way. Yeah, no, it's a definitely, it is cool, especially because if you look back, they have like Justin Lin has literally said that his movie better luck tomorrow is a prequel for Han's character. So I know he had a lot of personal emotion to be able to be the person that directs the movie that his character comes back in. So that is really like, that is really cool that he was able to do that. Yeah. I I thought that was pretty neat. So, Um, yeah, with that in mind, I don't have any other bench points or you get to move on to the next segment. uh, Yeah. I mean, the only other one that I would say is, Hopefully this doesn't happen with with 10 part one and two or again, however, these are going to be labeled, uh, which they are shooting back to back, which that's not a binge point about Fast 9. But I think that's interesting that they will be shooting these movies confirmed back to back. And it was announced today that they will start filming next year. So it seems like they might be trying to get these ready to go sooner rather than later um this is the longest fast and furious movie at two hours and 25 minutes um which is eight minutes longer than furious seven and hobbs and shaw but let me tell you it feels more as this movie at certain points compared to furious seven and hobbs and shaw felt like it was 40 minutes longer um, but it is the longest movie in the French and uh, the Fast and Furious uh, saga. Oh, yeah. It it felt like it lasted forever. So let's kind of talk about those moments of forever and talk, get into the next segment. Lease and likes. That was a beautiful segue, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, uh, least favorite scene, favorite scene. I'm going to let Matt. I think that we have both kind of been negative about this. So let's switch it up. We'll do our favorite scene first. I'll let you go first. So, you know, my favorite scene, I did when they first did it, I felt at the end it was a little much, but when we first see the magnet, I really, really liked that effect inside the movie. I thought it was actually really well done. That was really cool. And then 
I really did enjoy the chase scene when Jacob's character shows up on screen. I like that. I thought it was going to be totally ridiculous seeing it. But when they go to chase him and he gets picked up by the helicopter and they're like, oh, he's got a magnet plane. But then Dom hooks the car on the rope. Seeing it in the trailer, I was like, oh, my God, that's going to be the dumbest thing ever on screen. But I actually wasn't taken out of it. And I was surprised how much I kind of like enjoyed that scene in general, just because I thought I was going to be so turned off by it that the fact that I wasn't, I was like, yeah, that was actually pretty cool. It was just I did think that that part was very well done. Oh, I agree with you there. The the three scenes. I can't really pick between which one's my favorite um, would be the moment you just described kind of the beginning after they go through the landmines and Jacob shows up for the first time and they look at each other through the cars. And I love that Dom was driving a charger and uh, Jacob was driving a Mustang. I thought that was kind of funny, but that entire scene, I was again going to be like, this is the stupidest thing ever. And it was actually really fun and fun to watch. And again, I love Justin Lin's direction of movement and kinetic energy. I, I think it's sweet. Um, the other moments is I really liked the scene where the magnet first shows up with the yellow truck. Um, that's fun. And then also just the entire last chase scene when they're chasing down the beast, I think is what they call it, where they've got the magnets in all their cars. And there was a lot of it that was a little bit over the top and a bit much for me and parts of it where segments of it dragged on too long. The driving side of it, the things involving the cars is what I really liked. Um, but there were, again, mixed in that were a bunch of scenes, you know, inside the cars that dragged on for too long. And even with the cars it did. So if I had to pick a favorite, I think it might be that 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 opening scene with, with Jacob. Same with you there. So let's move on to our least favorite scene here. I'm going to go first and throw out that every single flashback I was not a fan of. Uh, in addition to that, the ending. I I'm so not the ending ending with the barbecue that's fine but the ending and the the pre-ending where things are wrapped up where Jacob and Dom reunite and he gets him a 10 second car and he drives off into the sunset and you know he gives a hug to Mia whatever which I felt like the relationship between me and Jacob was actually well done but uh Cypher is flying a drone plane not an actual one Jacob goes away in his new 10-second car. Uh, Tej and, and uh, Roman go on the space station. And then everybody shows up for a barbecue. Like, it just wrapped up in a way that was like, well, we're to the ending of the movie. Let's wrap it up. And it, it just, for such a long movie, it felt so rushed. Uh, particularly the turn and reconnection of Dom and Jacob just did not work for me. I was like, these two would, like, sit and scowl at each other and, you know, you know, apparently you never turn your back on family, so whatever, that's consistent, but it, it just felt too fast and way too rushed. Yeah, um, I would say my least favorite scene is the first appearance of Cypher's haircut. It's pretty terrible, um, <laughs> but, but, but um, all, all kidding aside, just to piggyback off what you just said, though, not only like Dom and Jacob getting back together, like so quickly, like Dom, we can't get to you, but I can like, okay, great. Whatever. (laughs) Where like 
it seemed like an entire scene was missing as to why the bad guy that was working with Jacob the whole time would all of a sudden be like, yo, I don't need you. I'm going to go with Cypher. Like, it, it just felt so forced as a way to get Dom and Jacob back together. It didn't feel natural. And it, it literally felt like we're missing scenes where Cypher is really like manipulating her way into this guy's favor, which yeah. I didn't see. So I, I was really like, what? How, why? What happened? Why did they just betray him? Because did I did I miss something like I didn't fall asleep during the movie? So <laughs> I, I don't remember missing anything, but. Uh, my least favorite scene in this movie really would be, I'm trying to think it it really would be the scene where Han comes to what he calls the clubhouse to the secret base, just because of the fact that I sat there and you get the revival of Han and Okay, he meets the crew, but then how are you alive? And you get the dumb explanation. Then you get the fact that, you know, um, Giselle worked for Mr. Nobody. Then you get the fact that Jacob worked for Mr. Nobody. And it was just one thing after another where I just said, I could like that literally was a point in the movie where I just was sitting there going, I could care less what's going on right now. Um, I I'm so far, like I was the kid at eight years old playing baseball that was kicking grass and staring up at the sky in the field, like in the, the pot fly is going to hit me in the head because I'm not paying attention. Like, um, I was so just disengaged in that scene that that would have to be my least favorite thing in the movie. Oh yeah. And then, and then also just how they threw in that L was the key right in front of Jacob, like, you know, I did not like that. But additionally, to, to comment on what you said about Cypher scenes missing of her manipulating Otto or whatever his name was, it was just the Yoda comment. That was all the manipulation that was needed. <laughs> Which I will say, now that I'm not in the theater, how dumb, but in the theater, that was hilarious. Like, I was really laughing pretty hard. I'm pretty sure I annoyed, like, the entire audience because I was laughing so hard. But it worked. It worked in the moment. So, all right. Well, those are our, our favorite and least favorite scenes. So let's kind of get into the final segment here that I've been saving a lot of thoughts for with Franchise Inquiry. This is where we talk about how, I guess now, since we're at the end, how is this going to continue? We know that there's two more that's happening. And I thought it was interesting that in the same podcast I was listening to with Justin Lin, he was talking about how that this is the first film in the Fast and Furious saga that is titled that involves the saga I can't remember the exact words he said but like this is Fast 9 the Fast Saga this is our acknowledgement that it is a saga and in that acknowledgement it's also our commitment to not just one movie but a continuation of that saga so clearly there's some bigger plans in mind you said that they're filming 10 and 11 or 10 part 1 and part 2 whatever they're called back to back so that's clearly there's some some thought going in here I just have a lot of questions about that, particularly one that I want to talk about at first. And this is the ending of the movie, The Barbecue. And, well, actually, before we get into that, I will be so frustrated if I don't mention this. This is so random, but I, I just saw this in my notes and I have to say it. 
I thought it was hilarious that Mia was literally like kicking dudes' butts, like trained soldiers in like high heels, skinny jeans with big hoop earrings and curly hair <laughs> and gets out and looks the exact same. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, you know what? You go, Mia. You go, girl. Like, it was, it was just, anyway. Um, back to the actual topic here. We're getting to the barbecue. Everybody's there. Okay. Apparently, the f- new fake Brian that I'm going to refer to him as, the, the young Brian, Dom's kid, is with Brian and Mia's and Brian's kids while Mia is here. Okay. That's what they say. That's why Brian's not there because he's with the kids. That's how the kids are safe because they're with Brian. We get to the end of the movie and the young, the, you know, the new fake Brian, Dom's kid, is there. So obviously he's not with the real Brian, but Mia's there, but their kids aren't there. So if the, all the kids, including the fake Brian, were together with Brian, why would fake Brian be there, but not the other kids and not Brian? Like it, it felt like my brain was just like, okay, I get that they're going to show him showing up to fill that empty spot at the table, which felt kind of touching. But I was like, okay, my, my logic was just completely out the window. Like, how is this working that he's not here besides just a movie moment? Additionally, I get the respect for the, for the person of Paul Walker and the individual that he was to this franchise. But Seven was just so perfect, the way that it respected him and respected his character, that doing it over and over and over again, naming the new character Brian, having an empty seat at the table, having him show up in his Nissan Skyline. Like, it, it all feels almost a bit too much where it loses the respect for the individual because you're just hashing it out. Like, oh, we got another Fast and Furious movie. We got to make sure that we pay our respects to Paul Walker, which is great intention, but it just feels a little less um, genuine and a little less, I don't know, I'll just leave it a genuine, than it did in Furious 7. What, what are your thoughts about that, Matt? Am I off my rocker here? It really does like post a dilemma for me about how many times can you mention this character and him not show up? And then, okay, he's gonna he's gonna show up for the barbecue. And just talking about in terms of you know the the movie universe right now, how would Dom's kid? Because I was thinking the same thing. I said, well, wait a minute. How would Dom's kid get back to the house? Like, how would he get back to the house if Brian's not already there? Like, he dropped him off and then went, oh, shoot, I forgot my kids at home. I got to go back. Like, (laughs) you know, I, I was a little confused. And then I guess, too, I was confused about if in the beginning of the movie, so Dom and Letty are out wherever, you know, he's like, Harrison, do you remember the line where he says, this is the price of staying off the grid or the whatever yeah. like, they're staying. So who's rebuilding the house? <laughs> Mr. Nobody. He's yeah, because for everything. Well, yeah, because Brian and Mia are, you know, again, in the movie universe, they're off living somewhere else. They're not living there because Brian has to drive to the house. Dom and Letty aren't living there because they're living somewhere else to be like secluded. 
I don't think Tej and Roman are living there. So who's who's living in the house? What's the reason for it to get rebuilt? And how are they just going back there? Like, does Dom have them just doing construction on it so that the house is there? Like the house is there and they can use it whenever they want. I I don't understand who the house is getting built for. Yeah, it just felt like, uh, oh, we got to have this moment in our movie and not like, oh, hey, let's make this a part of our story and a part of our movie. Like, we got to have the barbecue. You know, that's how every Fast and Furious movie ends. Right, yeah, I just, again, it's, maybe we're not supposed to look for logic, but there's elements of the movie where they want you to think logically. I know. And and it, it makes me wonder, are they planning in some way to bring back Brian for Fast 10 or whatever it's called? I, I hope not. I, I really, really hope not. The, the continual th- acknowledgement of him feels a little bit excessive at this point. You had the perfect ending in Furious 7. Don't muddy it up by overdoing it. Uh, I hope they don't bring him back. It, it just really makes me wonder. I, I really do think, I don't know if we will get him Again, however they're doing, I'm just I'm going to continue for anything else that we say. I'm going to call it Fast Ten, Parts One and Two. I don't think we will get Brian in Part One. I really do think we will get a digital Paul Walker with like his brother's body double, or well, his brother as the body double in Part Two, because I really do think there is. I just I can't see this series ending and we just talked about a barbecue. I cannot see this series ending other and ending any other way than just them sitting at a table. And that's how it ends. And I feel like they are going to go that route where they will have him on screen, even if it's just for the ending. Like this movie will end with them sitting at the table drinking Coronas. Yeah, that I would be, I think would be great. I think that that would be just fine because in the universe they created, he's still there. And if you're going to sign off this universe and this franchise, he deserves to be there because he's the nucleus and the heart of it, like you said, but don't overdo it. Um, I, I would be fine with what you said. I feel like that would be respectful and, and honest to it. But I, I'm I'm worried that they're going to do it too much. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they won't. Yeah, I, I could not handle him. Well, I like not handle. Like I'm not going to break down. <laughs> but I would not. I just don't think I could be engaged if now because of knowing exactly like it's never Paul Walker on screen. I don't think I could engage with him being like a complete part of fast 10 part one. Yeah. I I just don't think it would work for me to see him on screen for an extended period of time. I agree. I agree. And and I'm really curious. I'm trying to word this, this properly. Also, before I forget to mention it, because I don't forget, I love that they gave Sean and Han a reunion at the end. I hope that Sean stays part of this. And with what you were saying earlier, you know, the big barbecue conclusion, it really feels like that's what they're going to in the Fast Saga is getting everybody together 
for one last ride or whatever they're going to tagline it with. That really seems like the direction that they're going. And I, I'd, I'd be okay with that. I just hope that it does better in managing the way that they are a family and that they are a team outside of just individuals reacting around Dom and his family drama. And, and I wonder how the audience and the people who helped this film earn $70 million in a op- weekend opening are going to be invested anymore. I think because it's the 10th, it's the final, you're going to get a lot of people that will be like, oh, what the heck, I've, I've endured it for 20 years, let's go see it out. But I also wonder how much of that will be in like actual excitement and kind of just like, oh, well, I, I've, I've put in this much work, I may as well see the ending. I'm curious how many people are actually still like really, really invested in this the way that it seemed like they were before. Yeah, I think you might see you you maybe could see a real dip in part one in terms of box office because by the time this gets around, you would think maybe everything is back to normal in terms of everything always operates at a hundred percent capacity. Um, and everything that's happened is sort of starting to become a distant memory of the past. Who knows? But I think you could see a legitimate, really decent drop in part one. And then, yes, you know, people would go, okay, this came out. I watched it. You know, who knows? Again, what, by the time this comes out, we've seen what streaming is. Who knows what streaming is going to be? Two, three years from now, who knows what's going to be on streaming and what deals they're going to make? Is everything going to be, okay, well, you have a 30-day exclusive rights in the theater, and then it goes to, like, this platform can have it streaming. I think you might see a big dip with part one, and then with part two, people would go, well, geez, I've been a part of this 20-year journey with this franchise you know, if they're kind of like you and me, you know, for you, you've seen it with Blu-rays and everything else. But for people that have seen it in theaters, there might be a sense of like pride or duty to say, I'm going to see this out the way it started uh, in the theater. Like for me, I feel like I would. It's weird. owe the franchise that much. Yeah. It's similar in the vein of Endgame. You know, I think people who hadn't been to the theater in years showed up to the theater for Endgame because it was a conclusion that felt like a large enough event that it mattered to be there. And I think that, you know, for whatever Ryan or reason, that is something that this franchise does have going for it. Uh, I have no idea how it did that. I mean, we've talked about it every single episode in this segment, how it has managed to do that. But watching this movie, I was just... I was bewildered that this is the type of movie that gets $70 million worth of people to the theater in a weekend after so long. Um, it, it's interesting. I, no fault in that. People can like whatever the movie they want. It's just, you know, makes my brain tick. Uh, so it also makes me wonder what things are going to look like, you know, for Black Widow, uh, these other big blockbuster tentpole films that rake in, as Rob says, they just... They just back up the truckload of money and dump it right into Disney or whatever it is. I probably butchered it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting. But as kind of a, a final conclusion to this entire franchise thing, I kind of just want to give out some closing thoughts about the franchise as a whole. 
which we've kind of done a little bit, but I also want to give you the chance to do that, Matt, as well. Just kind of any closing thoughts you have about the Fast Saga in its entirety as we close out this episode. Yeah. Um, you know, a movie that, again, you you have to give credit where credit's due. And I I do give this franchise credit for developing the following for listening to fans when suggestions were made about what you know actors and actresses they wanted to see in this franchise i I give vin diesel credit for doing things like that i know he has an absolute passion about this franchise and it's you know, with Fast Five, it in the beginning, it realized that it needed to do some things different. Now, those things, did they hit all the time? No. In the beginning, you know, Too Fast, Too Furious, that didn't work. Did Tokyo Drift work? No. But Tokyo Drift over time has really developed a really strong following. Then they reinvent with Fast Four, and then Fast Five comes along, and they did a great job. But again, along the lines here, and it's, I mean, how can you blame them, you know, for still going when money is rolling in like this, but you got to the point where you lost the center of your franchise. And the good thing though, for like the good thing for me though, as a fan of these, you know, of these movies for the most part what they're doing now does not tarnish what's come before. And that has happened with certain franchises where you have continued to go and it has tarnished what's come before it. I can say that I'm glad that has not happened, that I can look back and still have like fond memories of this franchise. And I'm, I'm appreciative for that. Well said. And I think that's really well said, especially for someone who's been involved in it as long as you have. As someone who's so new to it, I, like you said, got to give credit where it's due that they found a way to be something that I did not expect at all. Something that's fun and engaging and totally gets people hooked. People like to excuse these movies for anything that they do wrong by stating, yeah, but it's dumb and it's fun. And there are so many other movies that you could apply that logic to that people don't go rushing to the theater for, but they do for this. And that is impressive in its own right. And while I can sit here during this podcast we've recorded and and talk about all my complaints with this movie, in the theater, was I really thinking about these things? No. I was enjoying myself watching a movie. It wasn't until I had to sit down and think about what I actually thought about it that I came up with these complaints. And actually, I take that back. There were some times in the theaters that I genuinely was having complaints, and I've expressed those. But for the most part, it was just fun to be in a theater watching a movie. And I can excuse the annoyances that I definitely had in the theater because I'm in a theater watching a movie and it feels good to be there. And this is a movie that gets people to the theater. And I think that's great. I think that's so fun. Now, everything that came before this, I am surprised how much I really loved it. I joked that I wasn't a huge fan of the original and then we got to Too Fast, Too Furious and I was like, what in the world? Why am I doing this? And I would have given up if it wasn't for Matt and Rob helping me through. And I'm glad they did because there's a lot in it that I really, really did find to love, including the relationship between Paul Walker, character Brian, and Dominic Toretto. And I I think it's great. And I think it's great that they've found a way to endear people to what they have going on. And 
while I do think that there are some elements of Fate of the Furious that kind of blotch what they did before a little bit, but I can just kind of erase Fate of the Furious from my mind and be okay with this faults and all and just appreciate for the absolute ridiculousness that it is. If I'm having a simple conversation with people about it when they ask me how I like my theater experience, am I going to tell them to go see it? Yeah, because they'll probably have fun. They're not sitting down to record a podcast and dissect it the same way I am because there's also, there, there is a stupid, really great level of fun that these films provide that I hope we never get, myself included, get too good for because it's fun. And, and false and all, I'm here for it. And I'm surprised that after painting the picture of this film that I did that I can genuinely say everything that I just did, which again, credit where it's due. All right, future Harrison jumping in here super quick. I realized that Matt and I got so excited talking about, you know, our franchise inquiry and all these things, kind of concluding the Fast 9, the entire Fast Sog here, that we forgot to reveal who the Ron was. So I texted Matt, I got my grade, he's got his grade, and it is out of five reels. So to kind of conclude out here and reveal who the Ron is, we both rated this, like we had with the other films, out of five reels as a carryover from Matt's show, because that's how he rates it, out of five reels. So myself, I gave it two out of five reels, and Matt gave it two and a half out of five reels. So just barely edging him out, I became the rotten, which is interesting because we both thought that he was going to be the rotten, and he was really confident about it. And I was confident about it too because I thought I liked this movie more than I did and still I, until I started to talk about it, and I realized how much I didn't. It seems like that happens a lot to me with this podcast, which is fun because, you know what, I... There's no problem with that. In the theater, I was having the time of my life, and I'm glad that I did. But I'm also glad that I was able to take a step back and really analyze how I feel about it. Um, So, yeah, there we go. I'm the Ron. There's your ratings. Thanks again, Matt, for being here on the podcast. Anyway, back to the actual episode. Yeah, can I just, I want to piggyback really quick because we did not talk about it. if you don't mind. Of course. Take it away. How do we actually get justice for Han? Because you can't kill Shaw's character. There's too much money on the table with Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. So based on the ending, in his, which it was really funny that the whole time Shaw was kicking and punching that bag there's a person in there um (laughs) i actually found that pretty funny that was great was that a reference to someone in hobbs and shaw like that flash drive or was that just just totally out of left field you know i i honestly can't remember um i'd have to watch hobbs and shaw again but i think there is a connection there okay but you know he opens the door and han's there and it was like yeah cool but then i just think about it and i'm like well, how do you actually get justice for Han? Because you can't, you can't get rid of him. He's, he's got to be in Hobbs and Shaw, the sequel. You know, is it going to be we're working together for, you know, part one and two, and then part two, I don't know, what, does Han get to pie him in the face or give him a roundhouse <laughs> kick? Or, like, I don't know, like, what, what would technically be justice for Han? Is it just the, well, you like you helped family, so all's forgiven. You saved Dom's baby. Like, I, what is actually justice for Han? It's a great question 
because I was, again, referencing that podcast with Justin Lin. He talked about this very thing. thing. He said, I, it felt awesome to be a part of Justice for Han. He said, but really bringing back Han isn't justice for Han. The way that we treat him after this is what will be justice for Han. And I was like, yeah, you're really right. But how are you going to do that? <laughs> so, so clearly they're brainstorming about it, and I'm sure they'll come up with something. Uh, and I, I think that it's probably going to involve some retcon like Mr. Nobody that Shaw was in on the Mr. Nobody thing the same way that Han was. I don't know, but that kind of un- undoes everything that was Furious 7. <laughs> I'm at a lock for words. I, I don't know. I, I appreciate that they acknowledge it, that they did not end this movie without having Han confront Shaw. I'm glad that that was there. And I, I like genuinely totally forgot about it until that end credit scene. And it was Shaw, and I was like, oh, yeah, I love that Jason Statham. He's totally here. Like, too bad he wasn't in this movie. And then Han showed up, and I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, what about that? And I'm glad that they, they acknowledged what it is. Mr. Nobody would be like, if he meant to kill you, he would have killed you. We timed it so that he would be only going 63 miles per hour when he hit your car because we knew the impact. Like, it's just, I, I don't know how you really get these, you get justice for Han without him taking out Shaw, but then it just doesn't make sense to take him out. So I'll be interested to see what they do there. Additionally, how in the world did they have it that Han disappeared out of the car with Shaw walking across his plane of view? Like this dude was dilapidated by the car crash, and he's like, like just on the edge of life. And then in half a second, he's out of the car, vanished. He he dragged himself across glass without making any noise. Like, and I, mis- I love Mister Nobody. Mister Nobody has a way to make things look believable. What does yeah. that mean? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I love that they kind of just acknowledge this. Like, it's just movie magic. And they like, they, they showed Han and Mr. Nobody standing there. And he's like, and, and no, Mr. Nobody's like, oh, no, that wasn't very good. Or that's, you know, you should see what I do somewhere else. Or like saying that, like, it didn't go the best. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, but it doesn't even like show it. It's just smoke and mirrors. And I don't know. I think it's funny. But yeah, uh, either way, I'm glad Han is here because he was one of my favorite characters. And I'm glad that Sean's here. I don't know. I, I think I might be alone in my incredible love of Sean, but genuinely, and, and that is something, as we kind of conclude this here, something in and of itself, that a character where the actor is so much older and you can tell, and nothing about the progression of this character makes any sense. He goes from drifting in Tokyo to building rockets in, like, Germany, I think it was? I don't I mean, what? On a, But he's there, and I loved it. Um, You know, and similar feeling to what it feels like when the team gets together in Fast Five. And it, it's it's impressive that these characters can mean something to me when I just started this a few weeks ago and I wasn't too interested in it. And it's impressive. Yeah, I will say that when they're at the barbecue and he sees Han, I actually was like, oh, that's really cool that they get to see each other again. You know, I... I had a connection to that where, again, I didn't have a connection to like, I don't know. I didn't really have a connection to the team seeing Han again that I thought that I thought I would. And I think it's because of how nonchalantly they just played it, that he was there. But I did. I did feel like. Like a warm, fuzzy feeling when him and Sean 
like embraced more so than I did when he was with the entire team. So kudos to them for, you know, and me not realizing that I like their relationship in Tokyo Drift. Again, the more I think about it, the more I realize that I do like a lot of elements of that movie. Yeah. So for everybody listening, go watch Tokyo Drift. <laughs> yeah. But I can't believe we're here. Like, like I said, this was the reason that I started these episodes on Fast and Furious, and it feels kind of weird that we're finally here uh, talking about this, and that not only are we talking about it, but we're like done talking about it, that we're closing out the podcast here. Not that we're done talking about it. That sounded, you know, really final. <laughs> we're, we're finishing our recorded discussion, I guess I can say it that way. Um, yeah, it, thank you so much, Matt, for being here, and thank you also, Matt, I, I do want to give you a chance to talk about your show real briefly again. But I also want to say thank you, everybody who downloaded these episodes, whether you're returning from the basement binge, whether you're brand new, or whether you came somewhere in the middle, or whether you listened to the very first episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. I really, really do appreciate it. it, it these are so fun. These conversations with Matt are a blast. And it makes it even better to know that people are enjoying it. If you do enjoy these episodes, please leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Podchaser is just a great source. It's kind of like the IMDB of podcasting, where it just allows you to give feedback to me, the podcaster, about the episode in a uniform, consistent space that I can view and actually find. Because there's ratings and comments that get lost in the abyss of the craziness of podcast listening. So podchaser.com slash the basement binge please leave a review on this episode let me know what you thought doesn't have to be a good review let me know what you thought additionally if you're interested what the heck we're gonna do after fast and furious um obviously on matt's show we're continuing with loki matt's talked about the great episodes he's doing here on the basement binge i'm gonna kind of go back to some films that i've been really really thinking about for a long time and talk about them specifically the next episode coming out is going to be on la la land which i'm extremely excited to talk about because I have not stopped thinking about that movie since the first time I saw it. So I'm excited to watch it again and excited to talk about it on a podcast. So subscribe to The Basement Binge wherever you get your podcasts. Shows are going to be coming out on a more consistent weekly basis now that the, the craziness of The Fast and Furious is over. So thank you, everybody, for listening to The Basement Binge. And also, Matt, huge thank you for you being here. One last real brief plug for your show. Yeah, no, uh, this has been a blast. Uh, Harrison is always uh super super nice and puts my link inside the show notes uh to follow matt goes to the movies check out episodes over there i look forward to having him back here a week from now to talk about loki i'm sure we're going to collaborate on something else coming up in the future and it's always appreciated these have been for you know, the good and the bad, this has been so much fun. And I echo Harrison's statements. You know, if anybody listening to this episode in just your listener of the basement binge, it's so cool that anybody listens to this and shares, you know, the same views, a different view. It's super fun. We love the interaction, regardless of what channel it's on. So Harrison, just thank you so much, man. These are these are awesome. Yeah, th this really has been a blast, and you are correct. We, we are definitely going to do something together again because this has been such a blast. So thank you again to Matt for being here, and also thank you, everybody, for listening. These have been super great episodes to watch, or to create. Go watch Tokyo Drift because I accidentally said the words watch, so I'm going to plug that again. But 
once again to close out here thank you again matt thank you everybody for listening this is the basement binge my name is harrison but that is all for now ciao ciao everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay.